in order for the Fed to officially like stop raising the Fed borrowing rate and to now go the other way, one of three things needs to happen. The first would be inflation. We need to start showing that it's heading back down to their target rate of 2%. Two to three. It doesn't need to be at 2 two or 3%. There needs to be enough evidence to show that it's headed back down. So the second thing that would need to happen is if unemployment gets to a, a point where it's just out of control. The yeah, Fed monetary policy is control the unemployment rate and the Fed fund rate, right? So, you know, in, in a healthy market, unemployment rate should be around 5%, right? Now, that unemployment figure may need to be much higher than 5% in order to get this thing under control. So I don't know what when they would n- need to pivot off of that, but that's number two. And number three, there would need to be some kind of dramatic change in valuation for financial markets. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I am once again Chris Nahibi, and that over there is the one and only Saeed Omar. Hello, everybody. And we have some fresh data for you, but I'm going to give you the big asterisk right out the gate. There's a lot of stuff that happened, and a lot of this stuff is not good news. So if you're easily triggered by bad economic data, (laughs) you want to skip to the good part. That's in the middle. But before you get into that, if you like this show, please go ahead and subscribe to it and leave an honest five-star review. That's a trick question. It's really, you love this show. Yeah, yeah. Not like. Yeah. Like is for your friends. Love is for your homies. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, your homies. (laughs) According to Bloomberg, inflation is forcing over half of Americans to consider second jobs. I found that to be a little bit interesting in the wording, so I dug into it. Over half of working Americans have considered holding multiple jobs to pay their living expenses as inflation remained stubbornly high in September and real wages fell. I think we're going to see a lot more. Can't blame them. About real wages in the future, particularly as we get to salary increase season. Right. Against inflation. Right. I think there's going to be a lot there. But for the real numbers, let's break it down. About 38% of workers have looked for a second job. 38%, almost 40% have looked for a second job. I mean, if someone like your boy Jerome Powell sees this, he's just like, people want two jobs now? I'm trying to have you lose your first job. Yeah. Well, and that, that's a whole thing, right? Like, how do, the, how do the people who are, like, sneaking in second jobs report it? Yeah, exactly. Like, is that, is that two people working in the economy now? Yeah. I mean, how does that, how does right. that work? And the people who work from home, there's a lot of people out there who got allegedly two. They're saying 38% of workers are looking for a second job. Yeah. That's not accounting for the people that already have a second job. Yeah. And there's 14% who have, quote, plans to do so, mm-hmm. according to the survey. Granted, the survey is a little bit small. It's only 1,000 full-time U.S. workers. 
At the same time, 18% of working adults said they had moved to an area with a lower cost of living to cut expenses, and another 13% plan to do so. That is that is 31%. Yeah. That is almost a third of people have either moved to a lower cost of area mm-hmm. or are planning to do so because shit is just getting expensive. Right. Just as a reminder, that unemployment figure is now is at 3.5%. And uh, you, like, like we mentioned, Jerome Powell's trying to get that to tick up, you know, upwards of 5%. So this is not, go- this is not going in the right direction. You weren't looking at me in the eye at all when you were saying that. I feel like you're like, is there, is there, we have a relationship issue here? Or what's going on? <laughs> no. We're talking I'm, about I'm reading, I'm reading, trying to see what, what you're bringing up next. Is that you're trying to segue? Yeah. Bro, I don't, I don't feel the intimacy when you yeah. do that. Like, I need you to look at me. <laughs> yeah. Look, look me at in, me. And in, in the optics of my yeah. eyes. Working parents in particular, and <laughs> the optics of my eyes, Jesus. <laughs> Working parents in particular are in the hot seat. About 70% say their pay isn't keeping up with rising expenses. That's the number. That really popped for me. Mm-hmm. The rest of them were, you know, getting to that that halfway point or getting to, but there was the you know combination of people who were actively looking, people who thought about looking. But seventy percent say their pay is not keeping up with rising expenses. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. A recent Bookings Institution study estimated that the current spike in prices means it will now cost more than three hundred thousand dollars to raise a child to age seventeen, up from t- up twenty six thousand dollars since inflation took hold. Yeah. I know that number seems somewhat nebulous, but as, as we're both dads. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. We feel it on, on a day-to-day basis, but I mean, just, it goes to show you that that inflation number is, is not, is not real. Like the core inflation number is much higher than what's being reported. Yeah, man. We talked about that last show. So yeah. all, all the things we really spend on, on a daily basis, your groceries, your mm-hmm. travel, your, your energy at home costs, your actual gasoline costs right. all goes up. I didn't actually I will apologize to everybody listening to the show. I, I normally really, really prep for the show and get ready to go. And, and I just had a really rough couple of days and just managing a whole lot. So I didn't get a whole lot of time to prep. But I did see on CNBC today, Joe Biden was talking about his new plan on how he was going to reduce oil costs. Uh-huh. And I didn't get a chance to get into details. But it was almost comical to me to see that you can plan to reduce oil costs. We already released some oil surplus in right. the initial stages of this whole pipeline issue and the war and the pandemic and all of that. So that's already been tapped on some level. Then you've got the Saudis who are pulling back through OPEC, pulling back 2 million barrels a day. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you do, bro. Like, yeah. It's not going to make a dent on energy no, costs no, as far it's as not. oil. And, and it's, people are just going to feel it that much more, which is like a shame when they you know, remove the, you know, that from the, those reports. And they take it out and they extract it. It's like, well, that's not a true depiction of what people are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Well, I got a counter argument to that that I don't think a lot of people think about. So core inflation removes energy. Food and energy. And food, right? Right. And what's really weird to me is food costs do have an energy component. Yes. Right? So how much gasoline prices cost for farmers, it drives their costs up. Exactly. But even if you remove that all out, there's still energy costs buried in the rest of inflation. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, supply yeah. and demand. I mean, it's still buried there. So I guess right. it's an argument still, for pulling it out. It's but. still there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, and even with it being pulled out, as we saw on the, on the last CPI number, it, it ticked down barely. But core inflation was going up. Yeah. So and that, yeah. That, that goes to show you, I mean, it's nebulous. When one's going up, one's going down. It doesn't yeah. really matter. They're still arguably high either way. Right. So because I was tapping through news channels and, and I was, didn't have a whole lot of time to search social media in the morning, I saw this article from the, the street which is an Instagram page that I've been following a lot lately, 
which said that 30-year fixed mortgage rates hit 7.22%, the highest in 20 years. And I was like, damn, that's high. Yeah, goddamn, that's high. So I did the responsible thing. I Googled mortgage rates today. Yeah. I don't know what happened between when this article came out. It was like a day or two later. It was like a day later, and it says 30-year fixed mortgage rates, 7.646% average. Goddamn. Bro, that's right in the ding-ding. Yeah, so going back to that Instagram live video you had with Adam where it's, you know, it's predicting that it's going to be up to like eight and a half percent. It's on its way there, man. I mean, it might go past it. So we still have two Fed rate hikes. So let's walk this through from a timing perspective. There's there's two periods of time, which I think are really important. Mm -hmm. First is there is an updated number coming out for GDP, right? There's an updated. Yeah, exactly. I I was going to bring that up at some point in the show, but thank you for bringing it up. It's called a segue, bro. I gave you the segue. You gave me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So something to look out for this. This episode will drop. On Tuesday, the 25th, on October 26th, tomorrow, uh, the Q3 GDP figure will come out. And if you remember, the first two quarters were negative. So negative 1.6% for Q1, negative 0.6% for Q2, and uh, National Bureau of Economic Research decided to not declare that a recession. Well, I mean, no, that's that's not true. They just did not declare it yet yet based solely on that. Yet, as of yet, right? And so it'll be interesting to see what they do when now they'll have three quarters. Can I, can I be legitimately selfish about something? <laughs> I know this is fucked up and I'm going to say it. I get it. I'm such a selfish fuck. I want this number to be negative so bad just so I can be like, now what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, answer me now. Yeah, come on, right. National Bureau of Economic Research. Which two quarters do you want? The first two or the last two? Right, exactly. Like I, I'm, it was... And I'm so frustrated because there was so, there's so much pushback. Even today, man, I was talking mm-hmm. to somebody, and I don't want to mention their name, well-known banker, really successful, telling me this is going to be short, it's not a big deal, everything mm-hmm. will turn around in a year from now. And I'm like, what What gives you that? No, like, definitely not a year from where now. Where do you get that? Yeah. And people are pulling stuff out of their ass, and I'm sitting here going like, what? give me a quantifiable metric aside from your gut instinct or optimism right. that makes you truly believe that a year from now we're going to be like, you know what? Things are great now. Yeah. It's amazing. So to go on that a little further, in order for the Fed to officially like stop raising the interest rate, right? The Fed borrowing rate and to now go the other way, one of three things needs to happen. Mm. Okay. Give it to me. Give it to me. Sultry though. Yeah. Sultry. Let's go. So the, the first would be inflation. We need to start showing that it's heading back down. To their target rate of two percent. Now two, it doesn't two to three. Two, two to three. three. Yeah. It doesn't need to be at two, two or three percent. It just they, there needs to be enough evidence to show that it's headed back down. So let me let me let me just pause right here and tell you. You know how many people have said and already telegraphed. Well, you know, it's not going to happen anytime soon. They're never going to get there. So they're mm-hmm. going to wind up having to cut rates before then. And I'm sitting here thinking like y'all don't understand how this lagging indicator thing works. Right. Yeah. They need to see the momentum going that way. Right. Before before they go, okay, you know what? We feel comfortable right. going a little bit lower on rates because the momentum is going the right way. And then you got a couple quarters of lagging indicators to catch up to those numbers and hopefully hit the target rate. Hopefully hit the target rate. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they did pivot when the inflation rate was anywhere between maybe four around 4%, 4 or 5%, right? If that's when they did, and there would need to be enough lagging indicators to show that it'll continue going down. And this is where people who criticize the Fed about not being data-driven. Yeah. They're like, oh, they're making decisions. It's not based on data. And I'm sitting here going like, no, it is based on data. They haven't seen the numbers go anywhere right now. Right. So it's easy to say, hey, what we've done right now ain't moving the needle. Right. So the second thing that would need to happen is if unemployment gets to a, a point where it's just out of control. Untenable right? numbers. Yeah, untenable numbers, right? Because we got to remember, 
they have two purposes, right? It's controlling the unemployment rate and Fed monetary policy. Yeah, Fed monetary policy is control the unemployment rate and the Fed fund rate, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and inflation. So, and, well, they have other. I say Fed monetary policy because they have several other things they can do besides just increasing the Fed borrowing rate. Mm-hmm. Like there's capital reserves for banks. There's other levers they typically don't pull, but those usually are reactive to things that happen in the economy, like right. like runs on liquidity stuff like that. Right. So you know, in, in a healthy market, we've talked about before, but just to reiterate, uh, unemployment rate should be around five percent. Right now, that unemployment figure may need to be much higher than five percent in order to get this thing under control. So I don't know what when they would need to pivot off of that, but that's number two. And number three, there would need to be some kind of dramatic change in valuation for financial markets. So I I don't like that one because that's a required element of what we're heading into. All so unemployment going up is is part of it, right? Inflation coming down is part of it. Right. And companies losing valuation is also part of what we're doing. Right. But it would need to be a dramatic change, right? But what's dramatic, though? I mean, so a market crash is like considered a 20% drop. We've already seen. How, how, how far has the market dropped this year? 20, 25%? 22%. Okay. And Uncle Jamie said, don't be surprised for another 20, you know? And based on what else he said, there was another article that came out about Uncle Jamie. I don't know if you saw this. He goes, in my experience in life has been when you have things like what we're going through today. There are going to be other surprises. Mm. So it's it's what we said. We don't know. There's going to be a catalyst. Something's going to have to give. It's going to have to give in a major way. Affordability. Yeah. Afford- it's got to be affordability, right? I mean, that's the issue. That's the biggest problem. But I think affordability remains a problem through this. I think. Yeah. I think that's going to be the most painful part of this is when people look at like seventy percent of people who have kids. Yeah. Are, are freaking out. Yeah. I'm mean, rightfully you know, so. Yeah. Fifty some percent of people are thinking about or already looking for a second job. I mean, affordability is a fucking problem, man. Big problem, yeah. And this is, and for those people who are like, you know what, next year it's going to be fine. No, it's not going to be fine. These people are literally uprooting their lives mm-hmm. to try to to try to meet the needs of their families, man. And, and core inflation, I honestly believe, is close to twenty percent. Dude, like, even if you got a three percent salary increase, bro, you're still negative seventeen percent. That's not doing anything for you, exactly. So something else that the government's trying to do right now too, and I know I don't know if you saw this, but I posted it in the show notes is I don't read your notes, bro. I know you don't read my notes, bro. But um, they're going to be adjusting the tax brackets. Yeah, and I saw this, and I was like, I saw this a while ago, not just because I want to say that I saw it before you, because I'm arrogant, but yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I looked at the brackets, and I'm sitting here going like, really, like, how is this helping anybody? It's it's raising the tax brackets by seven percent. So I mean, it'll it'll help, you know, some. You're of raising the, the tax bracket by seven percent, but inflation's twenty. Yeah, I know. Right. But and keep in mind, this is for the 2023 tax season. I know, which is it doesn't. I look at this and go like, what, what are we doing here? You're not you want to really raise a tax bracket. Seven percent ain't going to help nobody, dude. Right. Yeah, I know. So I don't know. I don't that this I feel like I felt like this was just another another thing that they were trying to pull for something right before the midterms or something. Yeah, but now I know it's the IRS. So. So here's my problem is, is I don't think you have the tiers here, but basically the tiers that you fall into based on income level. Right. It, it, it's it's almost nebulous because you wind up getting a seven percent, you know, bump up, but your effective tax rate when you get into that bracket's higher anyway. So you're not yeah, really... but the, the standard deductions are all going up too. So yeah, but not a big amount. Yeah, seven percent. So yeah, that's it's yeah. just it's not it's not. Really I know, but for like for like lower income to moderate income families, who knows? Hopefully, it helps them. Let's just put it like that. Hopefully, it helps some families. Okay, but here here's my problem: is you're not really helping them. You, no, you're, you're not. I know. You might give them a tax break, but the way most most I'm gonna go I'm gonna go real speculative here. I would say a lot of people use 
they don't have a CPA they're going to. They're using TurboTax, using stuff like that, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They'll build it into the algorithm here and there, but this is not going to help them get through inflation. Mm -hmm. This is this them trying to say, you see Biden's rhetoric on this? Like, well, the world's greatest turnaround or some shit like that on the economy. I was <laughs> yeah. like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I, was like, I was like, this is not a real quote. I actually looked at it. I was like, this is not real. I didn't even want to read it. Yeah. I was so frustrated. I'm like, this is straight bullshit. <laughs> yeah. But, exactly. And I'm sitting here thinking like, this is so much like political spin on what we're doing. And so much of what we're passing from a, from just a fiscal policy is just so, so twisted. And, it, I, and I talked to a really smart person in the office the other day. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say her name, Lillian's name, um, <laughs> but I was talking to her and she was defending the Inflation Reduction Act as being beneficial long term. And I'm like, that's true. Yeah. It will reduce inflation long term. Long term. term. Yeah. But we're in the middle yeah. of a highly inflationary economy. Right. And it's going to increase it in the near term. And I had to point her to the study and we talked about it and kind of in theory. And, mm -hmm. and, and this is my frustration is like so much of what we're doing is so ill-timed. Yeah. This is because midterms are coming up elections are coming up and i got to do some stuff now that i promised on before all this became a problem right yeah because obviously everybody's worried about money yeah and if so those people that are saying that this is going to get turned around next year let me tell you why that's a problem why that's likely not going to happen likely likely not going to happen is that is right? that is that your prediction or why are your feet all up on the table bro you took the whole uh, table i yeah, can't bro, put my feet on it bro, so dry, far away dry fit bro Dry fit. Look, right. now your shoes are on the table. This is this has become Saeed's pig pen over here. This is terrible. <laughs> so this is why it's likely not going to happen. So for the rest of the year, the Fed has two more meetings where they're going to be raising interest rates. Where my I, feet touch where your I feet was, while you're doing this? Where, like this? Where, let, me, let me touch your feet real quick. My foot. <laughs> Come on, man. No, just, go ahead, read. <laughs> so like this. the Fed meeting dates, November 1st and 2nd, right? We already know they're going to come up and raise the 75 basis points. Okay? I, I predicted that before you. On record. Then after that, December is that so important to you. <laughs> it's so important. December fourteenth, again, we already know they're going to raise it another fifty basis points because they projected now Fed funds rate right now is at three and a quarter, right? I will go on the record saying that this is the, this is the one increase that I am not a hundred percent sure that seventy five basis points is the number still. Really? Well, you think it could be higher? No, you, you, last time we talked about this, when you, 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 you thought it might it. be, you thought it might be fifty. You said because Bloomberg said fifty, but you know it's because let me tell you why they said three. Right now it's at three and a quarter. They mm -hmm. said by the end of the year, it's going to be at four and a half. There's two more meetings. Basic math, dude. 75 basis points gets you to four. Wow, you just called me stupid. <laughs> Damn, that was cold-blooded. Don't be stupid. I've had a rough day, bro. I might, <laughs> I might mess around and slap you. I'll slap you, walk out. You got to talk to this mic for the remaining show. We've only been on the show for 16 minutes. You're going to have an hour by yourself yeah, and talk yeah, to everybody don't else. Don't be stupid. So, so there you go. And then the next meeting after that, okay, will be February 1st of 2023. Mm, yeah. Okay. It, and w we already know that some of the chairs at the, you know, the Fed districts across the nation, right, have said we're going to hold rates. Oh, for 2023, the entire year? It, no, no. That we're going to, after, once we get to a point where we're comfortable, we're going to hold it for a little bit and see, see how it goes. And that, that's really, the illusion has, has been by the Fed that they're going to hold rates throughout 2023 yeah. as a possibility. So I will say the Fed's credibility on, on some of the stuff is very yeah. neb. And with how slow things have been moving, you can already tell that this thing isn't going to get corrected by February. So they're going to hold off again. So then the meeting after that will be March 22nd of 2023. So they're not going to make any changes anytime soon. So Uncle Jamie's right. Expect another 20% to come down on the market. You're uncharacteristically like 
emotional about this. I, like, I can feel it. Like, no, you, told me to, you, you told me to, to leave the show, and I'm trying to bring that energy. You're doing a really good job. Is this what I sound like whenever I do that shit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> I do the voices a lot. Yeah. yeah. I, do I do that. It's also hurtful, <laughs> just, just for the record. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know. That that that's my that's my thought process on it. It's like they're not gonna they're not gonna pivot this pivot that they're talking about. It, no one knows when that's gonna come. And something drastic is gonna have to happen in, in some market, some industry for them to do it. Otherwise, they're just gonna hold and it's gonna be a long, painful process. Mm-hmm. This, this is what I, I think we talked about this before on, on a previous show, but that's why like I, I keep I know people think that it's like a doom and gloom thing, but I keep saying something's gotta break for this to get better faster. Right. If we go, if we don't have something break, it's going to be a slow, painful grind. Yeah, and companies are going to struggle because it's going to be, it's going to be an EPS earnings per share issue, and people are going to try to maintain profitability, and they're going to try to do all the things they can. Some companies are going to go out of business, and and M and A activities going to going to slow up a little bit, a lot more layoffs, and a lot a lot of challenges going to come up. And these things are all part of this, you know, liquidity being drawn out and this Fed policy, but. Unless you break something and mm-hmm. cause a relatively significant change in one of these markets really quickly, mm-hmm. no one's going to back off of this policy and you're not going to see numbers move. Right. And that's the problem. Look, look we've, we've seen no real dramatic change the entire year of Fed interest rate increases. Mm-mm. And one, a full, full year almost, right? And we're getting towards the end of the year, Q4, talking about 75 and 50 base point increase like you suggested. And then what? Yeah. What what's we're we gonna not see numbers move, or if we do, it's gonna be gradually down. Mm-hmm. We've done all that we've done now. We haven't seen any particular rise. And if you you say, okay, you know what? Hey, it's been six months, bro. Yeah. No, we saw we saw a rise though, a rise in PCE core inflation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the numbers are going <laughs> the, <laughs> the wrong way. Yeah, the, the wrong numbers are rising. Yeah, yeah, the right exactly. numbers are not going anywhere. But it's been six months of, of high interest rate increases relative to where we're at historically. And we've, not, we've right. seen no motion, no mobility in these things. So for us to, to think that in the next six months. Even if you get 75 and 50, mm-hmm. right? Like, that, that's not bigger than what we just went through. Right. Exactly. I know. It, it's crazy, though. That's my whole point. We've, been, we've mentioned on the show before, a 75 basis point increase should be something that's shocking. Yeah, there's a lot of things that should be shocking that's not shocking to me. Yeah, I mean, exactly. We're all desensitized to this stuff, man. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's the crazy thing. Is, is, is I, so I read these numbers from uh, the CNN Business article I sent you about the banks. Yeah. And I'll... So I'll just read them. JP Morgan reported uh, third quarter home lending revenue plunged 34% from a year ago. Wells Fargo logged a drop of 52% over the same period. Mm-hmm. The declines were primarily due to the spike in interest rates. Shocker. Mm-hmm. Leading that to a slowdown in demand in mortgages. Citigroup and Morgan Stanley also reported their mortgage loan growth has moderated. And I'm sitting here thinking, not surprised. Right. Like, I was desensitized to it. I mean, like, after all the lenders that were going, we've seen lenders have issues now to see the banks have issues on Right. On their volume. I mean, this is not going to hurt banks anywhere near as much as it's going to hurt like some of the lenders out there. But yeah, I saw this and I thought to myself, like, mm, meh. Right. That's terrible. I, these are, they're talking about fifty two percent of their business falling off a cliff, and we're like, that that's our that's that's our emotional response. And we we're just like, this is common now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. You know, I, know. I mean, that's what we're doing, and, and it's it's. I feel bad that that's where we're at. That, that there's no like. There's no bright, shining star in the sky that we can point to and say, okay, this is going to make things better. And I think the only thing I can point to for most people is there's investment opportunities on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. But so much of the news right now is not good. And now you're getting used to this negative economic news, negative economic news, negative economic news, ridiculous statement, ridiculous statement, politics. And you're like, all right, fuck, man, when am I going to get like, hey, man, this is good. This happened. Right. And there's not a huge amount of like public outcry or outrage right now because... 
you know, people aren't losing their homes yet. People aren't haven't really started losing their jobs yet. I know some people have lost their jobs. I don't want to be insensitive to that. You are insensitive. No, no. See, There's I caught, a review I caught that it. says that. I caught no. No one said that. You can't caught, you can't catch yourself being insensitive. I, I, and say, I don't bit. want to be insensitive no, after no, you I say don't, something I don't, insensitive. I don't want to make it seem like pe- people have not lost their job because I actually know people that have and actually listen to the show. Don't I, make that. That doesn't make you more yeah. endearing because yeah. you quote know somebody. Name, no, name man. a person. No, name no. somebody you know. No, no. I can't do that. No, I can't. They don't want me to put it out there like that. Who's they? This could be an imaginary person. Yeah, exactly. I'm respecting them. I'm respecting their pronouns. They. <laughs> so, um, but it's going to go up. And we, we predicted early on that 2023 is when unemployment is really going to start kicking off. It's like businesses have been holding on for as long as they can, and they'll no longer be able to do it. Since I'm the arrogant one, can I make an arrogant statement here? You, you remember how, like, I was saying that October was going to be, because normally I say we make predictions, but you're, since you're being selfish as shit tonight, I'm going to go ahead and say that I was the one who said so that October, October, 19th? October was going to be a terrible, yeah, I did say October 19th. Yeah, not, Nothing happened. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna hold you to that prediction. Yeah. Black Monday, but not this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> More like Gray Tuesday, whatever. Yeah. But I, I did say we did say that October. I did say not we. I keep doing this like teammate shitty. We're yeah. definitely on the same team tonight. <laughs> but this, um, I you know I did say October was gonna be a really really pivotal month for the economy, and I think that that's been true. Yeah. I, I think we've seen a lot of the rhetoric change completely where no one's talking about soft landing anymore we're all talking about when is this recession yeah, going to be declared yeah. Every, everyone's looking around like what's going to collapse bloomberg's like 100 probability recession in the next 12 months i'm sitting here thinking like yeah why don't you just say we're in a recession yeah, fuck man yeah, like yeah biden's out there saying we're coming back man it's the best economic recovery ever <laughs> watch me eat my ice cream cone on television <laughs> like who, who makes that a media opportunity thing right <laughs> like, no one's gonna be like oh it's so wholesome he's eating ice cream yeah like, <laughs> what the fuck i know it's so weird, but anyway, he's just you're trying to be a gangster, whatever. <laughs> All right, so one of the things I talked to uh, to Said about was we talk a lot about these jobs and job openings. The, the Fed looks at a different number than just unemployment. They look at something called the jolts, and if you don't know what this is, it's all good. We got you. They use a lot of indicators to figure out how tight the labor market is. Mm-hmm. This year, it's been relying heavily on the job openings data from the Labor Department. Last month, the Fed... Uh, Chair Jerome Powell said, when it comes to understanding the labor market, job vacancies are at the top of their list. Mm -hmm. There's a number of reasons why this is a problem, but let's get into the definition of it a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. The Labor Department's Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey, or JOLTS, Mm -hmm. which is a really... Weird name. That's a, Yeah, that's a weird acronym. Did you check the jolts? Did yeah, it yeah. jolt you? Yeah, did they, did they jolt you out of your it job? It sounds fancy. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Jolts Cola. Uh, <laughs> ask employers whether they're taking steps to fill a position. That right there is a fucking problem. Yeah. Whether you're taking steps to fill a position. There's a lot of reasons why employers will take steps to fill a position or post a position just to see what the market's like, see what their feedback's like. Oh, that's interesting. They might have an open posting out there. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're hiring anybody. Oh, okay. So that could be anything from interviewing, you know, candidates to just posting a position online. So people will, so people would would do that. I didn't, I didn't know that. So companies will post an opening to see like what what the market's like. Let's just see what we get. There's a lot of companies that have like perpetual like postings out there mm-hmm. for uh, for salespeople. If a yeah. great salesperson comes along or somebody comes along, it's amazing to fill that position. They'll oh, hire yeah. them. Yeah. But they're not really actively in the market looking. It's just kind of hanging out there. You can go to like Monster or all these like, you know, websites that do like, uh, like LinkedIn or whatever. So, so if people apply, they just be like, nah. 
Yeah. So just because you have a posting doesn't mean that you're actually actively hiring or even that's even in your budget or whatever. So right. this Jolt report that the Fed relies on, it's got a lot of holes in it, man. And, yeah. And I don't think it really takes into account just because you post something online or you have something out there doesn't necessarily mean that you're in the old school days, you would budget and plan for a position. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't budgeted for a certain quarter or a certain period of time, you wouldn't post for it. And that wasn't payroll that you're planning on paying. Right. Now you, you can just put it out there but not hire that person. And even if it's not in your plan, you, you know, this person comes along great or, you know, whatever, or you just leave it hanging out there because you don't want, let's say you're a company, you've got 45 positions that are open out there on monster.com, whatever you've had about there perpetually for salespeople. Uh-huh. You don't want to pull those all off. Right. You wouldn't be like, oh shit, that company's having problems. Uh, yeah. You know, so you leave them out there, you report the same number as the jolts. 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 <laughs> Every single time. But if you're the Fed and you're relying on that, I would say that's that's not a great indicator. And I understand that unemployment's a very lagging indicator, and this is probably more of like a front-loading looking indicator, but right. this is not it, kids. Yeah, this isn't it. I don't know. But how else how else could they look into this? Uh, I personally, I think the best way to look at this is you look at the unemployment as a lagging indicator and you're just more responsive to the data as it comes in. Yeah. I, I don't think you take the time to metastasize and think all this stuff through. I think what you do is go, okay, oh shit, unemployment's moving. Mm -hmm. How much did it move? Right. Okay. Let's think about changing the interest rates. Got it. I think, I think what you do is you, you kind of take like a little, like a toe dip in. So, so let's say, uh, unemployment creeps up to four, four percent. Yeah. Then you go, okay, hold up. Let's back off rates for a little bit and see if it continues to drop. Yeah. If it continues to drop, great. If it doesn't, then maybe you move the rates back up to where it was. Now, I understand there's a little bit of volatility and that impacts the markets because you're changing rates up and down possibly, but mm -hmm. that gives you some ability to say, okay, is this really truly a trajectory downward on this right. lagging indicator? Right. Or is this just like a one-time blip and then it goes back up? But it gives mm -hmm. you time. And I think that's what we as consumers or we in the business world we don't give the Fed a fair opportunity to to really kind of manipulate the data. Yeah. We expect them to go, okay, I know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Numbers yeah. going the right way. Yeah. And here's, here's the shitty part, right? No matter what the Fed does, yeah. there's going to be people criticizing the shit out of them. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you waited too long. Well, yeah, obviously, bro. Why are we talking about that now? Right. Oh, oh, oh. The unemployment went to five and a half percent. The Fed fucked that up. And it's like, dude, like it doesn't matter. Like, right. There's no perfect way to do this. Exactly. It's not, none of this is a light switch that they could just turn on and off. All these things take time. So let's say if the unemployment number does get out of hand, I mean, that that has that has a lot to do with a lot of other things, and there's a long buildup for that. So even they can't just reverse the rate and be like, all right, everyone, you got jobs tomorrow. Businesses now have to plan. Businesses need to be in the position where they're, they're ready to start growing again. I mean, so yeah, these things take time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Leave this show, brother. Wait, another, another thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> another thing, too, that we never actually got around to talking about that I saw California that I think might be doing something funky is for job postings that they're actually going to have to list the salary oh, ranges. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. Yeah. We didn't talk about that. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's, that's crazy, right? I, that's just going to open up a can of worms as it relates to, like, <laughs> arguments and frustration. The range is from 65,000 to 65,500. Well, imagine if you're like a larger company, you got employees in different states. Your cost of living might be very different than California, but you're going into California's website and you go, this is the range. Like, why don't I get paid in that range? Or, right. or am, I, am I getting paid in the low range even though I got more experience? And you're like, well, no, it's the high range for our state. Yeah. So then what does an employer do? Do you then post the salary ranges across all states and just say, oh, let's open this up? And then you have those discrepancies? Yeah, it's like, no. you're also not paying state income tax over here and all that. Exactly. So what you do is most people are going to limit, they're going to meet the California law requirements, right? And the other states are going to, you know, not keep the salary ranges there. But California is not the first to do this, right? Not that I'm, I think there's some other states that do it too. Yeah. And, uh, we're not in those states, thank, thank God. But what I'll tell you is 
you're going to have to silo each state to some level in the positions. Mm-hmm. And this, this this creates a much more difficult situation for for employers that are nationwide. Yeah. And then it also creates the conflict of people are going to have expectations. They're not, most people aren't going to look at California and say, okay, California has a higher state tax. Yeah, no one's looking at us like, those they're, guys are doing it right. Their cost of living. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, they're gonna kick you out bro yeah Someone, someone's gonna call you one day and be like this is california get out yeah <laughs> we're gonna need you to leave sir it's, it's like that jp morgan letter to, to kanye <laughs> yeah like, this is from california yeah. you're out yeah california you're out <laughs> you've got 45 days yeah exactly <laughs> grab all your shit yeah you heard he bought that app parlor parlor whatever no i don't even know i mean i saw it but i, don't, I didn't look into what that was it's like a super conservative like social media app I thought it was, there was some like, it, it, this is, this is messed up and nobody quote me cause I don't know this to be true, but I could have sworn it had like some like racist undertones or some shit to it or something. Really? Or, like it was like primarily used by, by certain yeah, parties. Yeah, people but, are saying he's going through another one of his manic, you know, episodes. Yeah, you forwarded me that thing on, um, on, <laughs> on YouTube. That, that, that was, that was harsh, bro. Yeah. Oh, that roast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, there's this comedian that I like to follow and he's, he's pretty, he's pretty harsh. So, um, yeah, I, I would play it, but I'll tell you right now, it's too much. It's too much. Like, yeah. he, he crossed a lot yeah. of lines yeah. Yeah. And, and went after it. But, uh, I might put it in the show notes and just put an asterisk saying, this is not us. <laughs> yeah. We are this, not endorsing Yeah, this is not us, but it's funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny. No, I don't find it funny. Saeed does. I did, he's terrible. Yeah. yeah you're laughing while you're saying it. No, I'm laughing at you because you're playing footsie with me with your toes. It's, <laughs> it's awkward on the. <laughs> That's all I'm saying is how did, how did this get from all the way over there, that chair, all the way over here? Like, did you bring the table over? <laughs> no. Yeah, actually, I did. Yeah, see, that's exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, I did. I mean, I, you leave the show, goddammit. What's the next topic? <laughs> uh, the next topic is your boy, Uncle Jeffy. There's a lot of uncles we have to explain. Yeah, this. Uncle Jeff yeah. Bezos, right, is the latest to warn on the economy, saying it's time to batten down the hatches. Okay, I got so many, so many, so many comments. Okay, so let me just start off by saying this and this is what i said to you when i said for those of you who can't see this because there's no camera in the room so i just raised his hand in my face and basically told me to shut up yeah shut the fuck up <laughs> i'm leading the show today god damn it <laughs> i can tell <laughs> if there's one guy in the world that wouldn't be saying it's time to batten down the hatches it's this guy well i mean can we can we not say that like yo like everybody <laughs> their mother came out before you this is yeah. not news yeah, huh? he, he just wants to be on record like look i said it too Right, but they, how how does this happen? Was he somewhere when he said this shit, or did he like, did he call somebody up and say, "Hey, I got some news for you. I think we should batten down the hatches." Bro, this guy's trying to, yeah, this guy's trying to get to outer space. He's just now hearing, like, he's just now hearing about all this. And it, did anybody else catch that this is a subtle like fuck you to all of us that he's on a yacht saying this shit? I know you're using pirate terms, bro. Batten down the hatches, like it's like I know you out there. Who talks like that in the Caribbean doing your shit? And you're like, you know what? I've got a great financial tip. We should tell everybody to batten down the hatches, like we're doing out here in the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why like somebody put some suntan lotion on oh, my TRT based body? I know. Yeah, he's Full on, of shit. He's on TRT. Yeah, 100%. No, I can sense that shit now. Once yeah, you're yeah. on TRT, you can sense yeah. that other dudes are on TRT. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a sixth sense. I can like I can smell that you're not on it right now. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. You are definitely not on TRT. Right. So, uh, I don't know, man, but yeah, the one I thought the one guy that wants you to keep buying, keep spending, he's telling you to Fucking, hey, hey yeah, everyone, everyone, tone this shit down. You guys are out of control. He's not the CEO anymore, though. I think I think maybe he's like, let me fuck with the guy who's in charge of the company now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stop buying from Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I, it was much better when I was there. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's find a way to get me back in. <laughs> like, like, who knows, bro? Like, I just thought this was so weird. Like, I mean, you got Jamie Dimon who's come out. You got Bloomberg at 100% probability of recession. It's like... <laughs> 
now you want to say that, Jeff? Like, yeah. thank you for being so predictive. Yeah, you're so <laughs> like, profound. I appreciate your sentiment here. Yeah. It, it's so it's so amazing. And then it goes on. God, I read the rest of this article. I was putting my son to bed lot tonight when I read this. I'm like, I, I literally was like, what in the fuck? Yeah. Amazon founder Jeff Bezos has become the latest corporate leader to warn about <laughs> the state of the economy, <laughs> cautioning that rougher times are ahead. Right. Thank you for your key point. Yep. This is a quote here. The probabilities in the economy tell you batten down the hatches are, Bezos said in the comment. Yeah. Did he have his eye patch on and a parrot on his shoulder while he was saying this shit too? <laughs> so wait, did you read the whole article? No. Because your other boy, your other boy was quoted in this too. Was it really? God. Yeah. Brian Moynihan. Stop it. I swear to God. Did he with you? <laughs> Why did you put that in the show no, notes? Because I wanted to surprise you. you. I, I wanted to surprise you with it. Yeah. Brian Moynihan's going to bitch slap me yeah. one day in public. I want you to know right now, everybody's listening. Yeah. At some point in time, I may run across the CEO of Bank of America. And I know, God forbid, this show actually gets famous. There's two people I'm going to have to avoid forever. Brian Moynihan is one of them. So It's so and bad. And Dave Ramsey is the other. Oh, this is this guy's the CEO of one, of one of the leading banks in the world. And when I see his face, I start laughing. The level, yeah. the level of disrespect. I can't take him seriously. <laughs> so what, you're rich, you're stupid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't care. So, so the article says, however, Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan told CNBC on Monday that credit card data and related information show that consumer spending has held up. Quote, in the current environment, the consumer is quite good and strong. Did he double down on this shit again? <laughs> down. God damn it, bro. What is he doing? Okay, you know what? He is on. I don't I've know. Had enough. Yeah. I've had enough. He's, okay. like, he's like that, that stubborn girlfriend that's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm laying down my roots. We that's are it. still together. Yeah. I don't care what you say. I'm coming over tomorrow night. I'm not giving you back the key. Yeah, exactly. Brian, nobody loves you. Go home. Yeah, stop it. Dude, yeah. let it go. Yeah. Take the L. Yeah. Look. You're a consumer bank. We get it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You want more consumers. Yeah, prop that up, yeah, bro. I get yeah, it. yeah, people are thinking like, man, the consumers on that side are doing really well. I want to yeah, go to we, that bank. We should go to Bank of America, where, yeah. ironically enough, I closed all my accounts early in the year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's why you feel comfortable. I was comfortable. so pissed. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's why you feel comfortable waging a war? Yeah, no, I feel comfortable waging a war because I'm just a terrible human and I'm arrogant. Yeah. See the uh, show reviews for more information. Yeah. Uh, but. So I was there at Bank of America for a long time, and I had my trust accounts there. This is their practice. I swear to God, this is what they did. This drove me insane. Is I, so all, all the, those properties that I had there, because there was a couple places in, in the country that, that I have property where Bank of America is a local bank for them, but not like some other banks. So I was like, all right, cool. I want to give clients the opportunity they can come in and just put cash in, or they can have like an ACH automatically to the oh, account, okay. like a bank that they're yeah. familiar with. So I, I use Bank of America, and I had like, I want to say six or seven property accounts there. Right. Every single fucking time I got it, I had to open up a new account. I couldn't just be like, hey, open up a new account in the same name as, as the trust that's on, on record because they were all my trust at the time. Right. They would make me bring my trust documents in, schedule an appointment, show up. They're only open till 4 p.m., which I've got a job, guy. Like, I got shit to do. Yeah, yeah you know? exactly. So, whatever. I schedule an appointment. You have to schedule in advance. You can't just go there. Right. Bullshit. Whatever. Get there. Give them your trust documents. They'll take a look at them, scan them. Okay, cool. You got them for your records. Good. I don't know why I have to come back here. Send them off to the legal department. Open the account. Destroy the documents. What? You got a new account. So you can't call them up and be like, hey, man, can you open up another account in the same name? They'd be like, nah, man, you have to bring the trust documents in. So I got the whole fucking dog and pony show every single time I went in. Yeah. And what really pissed me off to no end is one day I get... That's so what, crazy. So I went there to complain about all this shit. It was... It was 3.55, five minutes before close. Yeah. The guy locks the door as I'm walking up. I'm uh, like, yo, man. Come like, on, man. Can you bring your manager out here? He's like, no. 
Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? No. Wait, the bank closes at four? It closes at four now. Oh, now. Wow. Yeah, post-pandemic, they started closing at four. Oh, I remember when I used to work at Wells Fargo. Closed at six, right? In, in college, yeah. Closed at six. And the, the wire cutoff time uh, was four o'clock. Uh, not the wire cutoff time. Sorry. The, um, the If you make a deposit same day postings, would cut off at four. Yeah. Uh, wire cutoff is uh, one o'clock. One o'clock. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, technically two o'clock. Most people catch you at one. Yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, I just got tired of this shit and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I just, I just moved. I closed all my accounts. And then closing my accounts there was such a shit show. You had to make another appointment to go in. Yeah. Oh, they, they pulled the whole like. I was like, bro. Closing your account if you like a gym membership. And they gave me the biggest, they gave me the biggest D-bag exit ever. What do you mean? Because Bank of America, Morgan Stanley, right? Uh-huh. They got a wealth advisory like side. Yeah. As I'm closing my accounts, I'm taking, so I always keep a good amount of money in my reserve accounts for all these accounts. And I, and I kept like filtering money through that was coming through rents, right? Right. And they saw this money coming through. So as I'm closing my account, a Morgan Stanley representative comes over and tries to talk about money management. I'm like, mother, what, do you understand what I'm here for? Did, did you not look at the history, bro? Like, you know I hate you, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. why are we here? Yeah, yeah, don't do this. Like, don't make me tell you why you suck. Yeah, you're making this awkward, uncomfortable. Yeah, and then I close all my accounts, and then I got bills for overdraft fees because they didn't close my accounts, and I had, like, these like, fees hit my account for not having to pop. I was uh, pissed. Oh, yeah. Bro, it went, it went back and forth for, like, months. So, Brian Moynihan, if you ever hear this, it's your fault I hate yeah, you. Change, change it up. Clearly, they were trying to show you, like, this is not the line of work that we want to be doing, sir. Please stop doing this. Yeah, we don't like you, guy. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. stop coming here. Yeah, with your trust documents. Yeah, <laughs> trust documents. <laughs> we know you're poor, bro. What do you have these for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I swear man, to God. Every time I went in, it was the same thing, too. Like, um, sir, your trust is not in your name. I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? <laughs> what? What do you mean, why? Why? Is this a business trust? I'm like, what does that even mean, bro? Like, I'm the lawyer here. Shut up and just do the job. Uh, they would ask me questions over and over again. I'd be like, no, stop. Like, just let's, let's keep going. Right. Why is it in your... Oh, here's a little, little tidbit for everybody else. My family trust is not named with my name in it. My first name or my last name. And the reason why is I didn't want people to be able to Google easily and find yeah. my, my assets that way. Now, certain lenders will require you to put it in your name and transfer it to a trust. So some of that can be found if you look really hard. And there's plenty of people who... There's a couple guys online who stalked me before like this. Yeah, I mean, so from all the trust documents that I've seen, uh, most people have it like in their family name. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's just it goes like hand in hand. It's easily to identify. Yours would be the Syed Omar Family Trust. Yeah. If I were to get, if I were to have one when, when we create ours, would be the Syed Omar. What? No, no, it wouldn't be the Syed Omar because I, I would probably do like the Omar Family Trust. The Omar Family Revocable Trust. Yeah, yeah. something like that, right? You haven't created because yeah, because I, yeah, I look at my wife. Where you I, have this I, conversation. I, huh? No, we're working on getting it. You got kids, bro. You need to do I this. I know, I know. This is the, the fir- one of the first things we're going to do. The- one of the first things you, you your kids are like four and five. Yeah, I know, I know. This is a problem. So this is something that we're going to well, do. Adam's five now, right? No, four. No, he's six. He's six. Thank you, Uncle Chris. God damn. Yeah. So my my daughter, so my young. daughter's four. I got so much more four. gray hair than you. And some of, some of our friends are like, you always talk about Adam on the show. How come we don't talk about Arya? Because she's my angel and I don't want anyone to talk about her, no one to know about her. That's it. She's mine and no one else's. I got to be honest with you, that didn't sound very good. You don't want to try to do that again. No, man. We can to, edit this. I'll, I'll be honest. So we can t- edit this out. Tonight was a little tough. Tonight was tonight was a little tough leaving to come to the studio. So she she sleeps with this a little a little blanket and a little bear every single night. She couldn't find it before going to sleep. We were looking, searching the whole house for it. I don't know what she did with it. Somewhere it's gone, right? And so she was crying as I was leaving. I was trying to comfort her, but then it was uh, short on time. And um, I finally get her to calm down. And then I get in the car and I'm starting to back out the driveway. And she's looking out at me from the window. And she, you could tell she's visibly upset and crying. So, Why, you scarred her for life? 
No, she was sad that I was leaving. She wanted me. She wanted me to stay, and I was like, "Oh no, Daddy's got to go." And I literally had to park the car as I was pulling out. I ran back inside, gave her another hug and kiss. So uh, it was tough. Tonight was tough. Oh, you're a better man than me. My son is like, "Dad, don't go, don't go." I'm like, "I gotta work some by." No, I'll be honest. That's how I treat my son too. Adam, if Adams is like, "Dad, don't go," man, figure it out. Like, you'll be fine. Wow. Yeah, you know, I treat I treat him like. I mean, I'm trying to toughen him up a little bit. Come on, you'll be good. Just wait, bro. One day when you in diapers, he's gonna be like, "Change your own diaper, Dad." Yeah. <laughs> Change your diaper. I expect I that. You. Yeah, I deserve that. Yeah, remember when you were leaving for work? I deserve that. This is what you get. Yeah. This is what you get. <laughs> Batten down the hatches. <laughs> Batten down the hatches. It's funny that he said it like you said it like that too. He's got that, you know, one of his eyes is smaller. He looks like a pirate. Is it really? No, I saw a video that was really popular on social media with him, uh-huh. where he talks about how his car his card has declined at one point, like in time, like he's had it. He's like, I'm like everybody else. I've had a card. And somebody asked me if you ever had a credit card decline. He's like, yeah. And they're like, what did you do? And he goes, I gave him a different credit card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, charge it on another one. Like, what yeah. do you mean, bro? It's like, I don't, I don't have some special pass. Yeah. It's like some speakeasy. Like, hey. I'm Jeff Bezos. I'll mail you a check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that but, but he's also, he's got this weird nature when he speaks. Like, he's, he, he just sounds weird. Yeah. He's not, I mean, him and him and Musk too, they both have like this weird kind of vibe to him when they speak. Like if you saw them on the street, just walking on the street and they weren't like billionaires, you'd be like, this guy's creepy. Yeah. That's why I thought it was, that was one of the re- things that I thought uh, it was so impressive when Rogan interviewed him and just talked to him for three hours, Elon Musk. Mm. I never like, saw man, the whole thing, by the way. I was like, man, how do you hold, first of all, the guy is in crazy smart. So to hold a conversation with him for three hours is one thing, right? Apparently, Rogan doesn't have notes or anything. He just goes off the cuff, right? And What a G. Yeah. Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan. <laughs> Joe Rogan. <laughs> right? And just like to have a conversation with someone that that kind of awkward, doesn't really understand social cues, like that would be really tough. It's what it's like talking to you every single night. Yeah, you're welcome. It's very difficult. I'm trying to prepare you for that interview. It's, it's, yeah. That interview is never going to happen. <laughs> cool. I'll tell you it's going to happen. We're going to bring Elon to the studio. There's some nights where I can see the hate in your eyes when you look at me. Like, I, <laughs> I can feel it. There, there's nights where I, I'm like, this guy wants to kill me right now. <laughs> oh, never. He's thinking, this is your conscience. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, that's great. Yeah, it's a great yeah. reference. For those of you who don't know, Google, this is your conscience. You're welcome. Hashtag yeah, Wesson. Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. Yeah. So... Anyway. Leave the show, bro. <laughs> These <laughs> awkward pauses aren't, aren't giving uh, you no, a whole no, lot of credence. No, no, no. This, this is on you. Come on. What do you mean on me? I'm trying to help you help oh, yourself. Why, why has it been so tough? Well, today? Yeah, in general. Fuck, man. Like, in so, general. Brosco. Umbrella. Yeah. Nothing specific. <laughs> that was that, You should never do that again. Whatever that was. Yeah, don't do that. Reading Rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, make sure the TV's off because that thing's going to turn on. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I got you. Oh. You see, this is what happens. You let Saeed have control of the TV and the Price is Right pops on in the middle of the show. Uh-oh. You're not a great show leader. So what? why was something stressful, man? Like, uh, So the office in and of itself has been stressful. I've got some travel, unexpected travel coming up Friday for a legal case. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I'm at the point now where I get, I, I don't know that I should be in a courtroom. <laughs> like, I just get so frustrated. Mm-hmm. having to prepare for it because it takes so much focus and time to prepare to go to a courtroom and like talk talk to a, a judge and everybody else it, I, i'm not looking forward to, the, to that and that's going to take a lot of due diligence and work and i literally got notified like two days ago right so because you know i, I mean not, i'm not saying that anyone is or isn't but sometimes having these types of conversations you know people aren't necessarily conducting them in good faith and they're just really dragging out the process oh i know this without without a question of a doubt the other side of this equation is not going to be in good faith and it's going to be 
this person's a former attorney yeah who's pretty manipulative so it's just going to be a terrible situation and i'm going to walk into it and it sucks to know that for me i'm gonna have to fly to this place you know it's gonna be northern california so i'm gonna fly there for the day i'm gonna be in court and then i'm gonna come home but i'm gonna leave the house at like seven o'clock in the morning and i'm gonna, I'm gonna probably land at like eight or nine o'clock at night yeah and i'm sitting here thinking to myself like there's so many more productive ways to, to spend the day, but this is something that has to be done. I got notified last minute. Yeah. But in order to do that, I can't see my son when he goes to bed. Yeah. I'm going to cancel dinner with some people. I got the board meeting coming up at, you know, at, at our bank on Tuesday next week or something like that. I've got a bunch of other stuff going on. And it's really hard, man. Like when you are to juggle all these things because you got a lot going on. I mean, I don't know. Do the listeners even know like um, about all the stuff you got going on? Uh, I mean. Yeah, yes and no. I, look, I, I think look, I think the biggest misconception that people have is that I can get, that I, I do a lot of the things that I'm doing, like, I time block it, right? So when I'm in the office, I'm, I'm working at, at the bank. When I get off work, like when I'm, when I'm here, yeah, it's hard. Like, so today I, I, got, I left work, I went to the gym, I'm, I'm, on, I'm trying to do 20 minutes of cardio, but I'm talking to people too because I'm constantly on the phone all day long. I'm on the phone for 20 minutes, right. having some phone calls about some other legal stuff, mm-hmm. right? So... I've been out of the office now for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, 10 minutes to get there, 20 minutes on the treadmill. I take about 30, 40 minutes to lift weights and just, I try not to t- answer any phone calls. Right. No text messages, no phone calls. And that's like my only 40 minutes a day that I don't, I don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Other than when I'm talking to your sultry, sexy ass. Yeah. Um, and then, so then I, I'll, I'll rush home. I get it today. I'll get home. Tonight sucked because I didn't get a whole lot of time with my son because I left the office so late because I was so busy. And I got to the gym late, and then I got home late. So I got home maybe like 15 minutes before my son went to bed. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm like eating dinner real quick. My son's already showered. My wife, I, tell, I felt like a terrible dad today. Yeah. And then, so I get my son to bed, say goodnight. He wants me to sit outside his door like I normally do and talk to him for a little bit while he's falling asleep. But I had, I had to come here because we had to record content for the show. Right. I'm sitting here thinking like all the people who criticize me and all the people who were like, yo, like this guy, like whatever, like he's doing all these things, you know, they're stupid. He says he doesn't have any time. Doesn't have any time. Or like my, my, you know, some, fr- you know, friends that, that don't understand. It's like, yo, like I'm back at work, working at 8 p.m. I'm mm-hmm. recording content. So you got here at like 9 p.m. Right. We're now in the studio. What time is it right now? It's 1027 at night. Mm-hmm. We'll probably leave here closer to like 1130, 12 o'clock, you know, right. at midnight. And then I'll be up by like six o'clock in the morning after I get home and upload all the content for the day. So it's like people see all these things that come out and they're like, oh, look at all the content that he's putting out or look at, look at these things that he's doing. And they, they automatically assume you got to be using cheat codes. Right, right. Oh, you got to be doing this. You got to be doing that. And sometimes it just gets overwhelming because like there are no cheat codes. Like you got to do the jobs you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And people automatically assume the only way I could get that done if I was doing it during like business hours. Yeah, everything has to be teed up perfectly. It has to be the perfect situation. Yeah. Yeah, and that's never that's never going to be the case. It's never the case. So like, so days like the last couple of days, I haven't really been able to post on social, you know, social media a whole lot. And I haven't been able to do a lot of the things that I normally would do. And that's, you know, it's kind of one of those things in the back of my mind. But all these little things add up and then I wind up just, you know, trying to get back into a normal rhythm. But sometimes life just throws things your way. Yeah, man. I mean, learning how to juggle all that, that's a lot. And I mean, it is. It, it's a lot. It's a lot of work that, you know, we're putting in on the, on, on the side and the, the kid stuff is what really messes me up. Not you being know? there? It's it, like, what if like they wake up like when I'm not there? Wait, where's dad? Because what we try to do is, you know, come to the studio after the kids are down so they don't even feel it. They don't even sense that we're gone. They do though, man. Yeah. That's the part, like, it's tough. Although you will love 
So I brought, you saw the video, I brought my son here. Yeah. I didn't think, I put the headphones on, I'm going to talk to the mics, the mics on, you know, hot. Yeah. I didn't think he was going to love it. He had a fucking blast doing that. There's this, I don't know what platform he's on, but there's this guy that grew his page and channel. He just sits with his daughter. What? Yeah. So he like, he has a podcast with his like young daughter, like, I don't know, four years old. And it's like blowing up. I got to get the name of it. Um, Is it a thing? Yeah. My brother-in-law was telling me, Odun was telling me. And um, and he blew it up. I was like, dude, how funny it would it be if like we could actually get them to sit down and just like do a recording just for ourselves? We don't even have to post it, but just that's what I wanted to do with my son. I wanted like uh, I told my wife like while well, he was talking to the mics, yeah, I should just hit record like that. That's a, that's a time capsule piece right oh, there. Oh yeah, that's actually something that Howell does. So since since the kids were young, she'll like like when they're like in bed with us or we're just playing, she'll just record a voice memo of them having a conversation mm. or them talking and. And it's just like a brief moment of time. And it's the best when you like late at night, like you're in, we're in bed and we just listen to the voice memos because you get to close your eyes and just put yourself back into that moment again. Oh, it's awesome. So after my son was here that day, um, my, this is the day of the live with Adam. Yeah. My dad was here uh, and I had him come in and like sit down in the studio. Mm-hmm. I had him sit in your seat. So yeah. it smells weird. It's because him. Uh, <laughs> but... But uh, we, I was, I got him like oddly talking about like life, like when he came to this country. Oh wow! Like, not going back to the Iran. My dad like that never really talks in detail about it. You got emotional like three or four times. It was it was weird, man. Like it, he probably doesn't get a chance to really sit back and reflect on you know how far he's come. I mean, he de- it's on the back of his mind, but to sit and have a conversation about it. So he told me a story that he hadn't told me before, and it, it sounded like it was straight from a movie. And I called bullshit, and he showed me a photo later on because it was a photo of this. Really, I believe, but. I'll tell you the same story. You, you tell me how. So he said that when he was 18 years old, he came to the country. Okay. Right. And he flew into Oklahoma airport from Iran. Mm-hmm. When you're 18 years old, you're not, you're not very old. No. I mean, granted, 18 years old back then was probably a lot more mature than 18 year olds now. Right. But he's in a country. He doesn't speak the language. Mm-hmm. And he lands in Oklahoma City's airport. And he has to get to Norman, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. He's Iranian. Yeah. Brown, swarthy looking dude. Right. And uh, he said that he was sitting in the airport and he had no idea how he was going to get to Norman, Oklahoma. I hadn't even thought about it. Okay. And this really tall, good-looking dude, he says he's like about 6'4", in uh, a cowboy hat with a white suit on, mm-hmm. like a kind of whitish, creamish suit, comes over to him. And even though my dad doesn't speak the language, he's like, for some reason, I understood what he was trying to tell me. Like he, he was just very, he was articulating himself in a way that I could understand. He was in his hands, and he, I could tell he wanted to help me. Oh wow, okay. And I said, "So what'd you do?" He said, "Well, he told me that he would take me where, to where I needed to go." And he's like, "This is before phones, and you know, obviously you needed maps and stuff like that." And I just he was just reading his body language. And I had the word Norman written on a piece of paper uh, in, oh, in wow. English that he's like, I didn't even know what it said. I had to you know copy the word of the city because I knew that's what the city was. Mm-hmm. And I showed it to him, and this guy said, "Come with him. He's gonna take me there." And we get to the we get to the the parking lot, and he's in this beautiful big Cadillac convertible. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, this is classic like Texas money, yeah, like the white suit, the cowboy hat, this yeah, convertible. Yeah. Well, right? People used to dress like that too, man. Much more proper. I missed yeah. that. My yeah. suits come in in about a week though. Yeah, are, yeah, the thick ones, thick, thick boy suits. Um, so then uh, you get in the car, and the guy was like trying to get my dad to to give him his suitcase. My dad wouldn't do it because he didn't trust anybody. So he held it on his lap while he was in the passenger seat of the car. Mm-hmm. And, you know, white walls, the whole thing. The guy takes him to Norman, Oklahoma. And, How far of a drive is that? Uh, That's got to be weird, man. Sitting in the car with a stranger. It doesn't speak your language? Just assuming that he knows what you're talking about? 
Yeah, I mean, I have no idea how long. I've never driven from Oklahoma City to Norman. I have no idea how long yeah. the drive is. I probably figured out, but but that was like, yo, you know, he, he drove me there. But when we got there, he didn't just drop me off. He took me into the school, got me got me registered for classes, got me up to my room, and got me in the room. And then I asked him for his business card, and he gave me his business card. Yeah, and I put it on the desk in the dorm room, and then you know he got me all situated, and he's like, this guy's like, this guy's so good to me he's like i'm gonna walk him out so he walks him out to the car yeah you know shakes his hand gives him a hug says thank you and is super appreciative and then you know he, he turns around to go back to the room he goes to look back and the guy's already gone he's like i didn't even hear him leave and he had this really loud catalog and he's like oh that's weird whatever and my dad's like tearing up now he's getting emotional when he's telling me the story i'm like this this is weird so he goes back to the dorm room business card's gone Oh, what? He's like, I went, I tore the room apart, looked for it, never found it. He's like, I never saw the guy again, never heard from him again. Oh, man. Here's why, here's why I believe this story. I really feel like people from Oklahoma are just built different. They're like, I haven't traveled to most places around the country, but I'll tell you why. One year we went to Big Bear and we got snowed in. Okay. And the cabin right, the cabin right next to us, um, the guy would actually live there year round right and he saw us and he saw that we were trying to figure out how to get our cars situated and whatnot and he helped us dig out our cars from like the snow and we asked him he's like i'm from oklahoma this is what we do that's true we help people that's what not, that's not, why, not everybody obviously but yeah not everybody but like he, he made it a point to to say like this like he wanted to represent oklahoma this is the, this is the midwest man like midwestern people are so much more Dude, I'll tell you what's weird is when I was, when you go to like Texas, certain parts of Texas, people are so nice. Yeah. So talkative. People would chat. Dude, I'll go into like restaurants and just chat up everybody. Yeah. It's crazy different. You talk to somebody, like in California, I'll be like, hey man, how you doing? Yeah. 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 What do you want from me? Like, dude, it's, it's, it, dude, if I walk into the gym, yeah. I go to Equinox because I'm a douche, right? <laughs> I go into the gym, I say hi to somebody. Yeah. It's like their first instinct is he wants to have sex with me. I'm like, you're a man. I don't care, bro. That's what you want. <laughs> it's like, like it's it's weird, bro. Like, yeah. like people will give you attitude and you walk. It's crazy. Yeah. You walk into a gym in the Midwest. Hey, man, how you doing? You'll have a 10 minute conversation up front. Dude, that's why I, I, my my wife likes to make fun of me a lot. For I like to have a lot, do a lot of small talk with people who are like older than me. But that's because like people that are older than you just want to like pass down some wisdom. Bro, fuck you. I know this is this coming to me, and I'm yeah. not gonna have this. Yeah, wait, shit. hold on. Like, I'm, I'm not I'm that much up. older. I'm, I'm not that much older. And that's why I'm doing the podcast. I am not wise. Okay. No. <laughs> Pass down that wisdom. Yeah. For so. those of you who are still listening, thank you for listening to Saeed trying to be the leader here. It's clearly not working. Yeah, yeah. What I'm going to wind up doing is I'm going to get a spray bottle with water. And every time he gets off topic and does some shit like this, I'm going to spray him with water. So you're going to hear like... But if you did but if you did enjoy it, please go ahead and leave an honest five-star review saying that you did enjoy me leading the show. God damn it. You can't, you can't fish for the compliments to piss me off. That's like, <laughs> oh, God forbid. Oh, if I get this and, and, and they reference that you're arrogant, it's game over. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's like you hate me. Bro. Yeah, no, I love you. I love you so much. Yeah, you don't love I love to torture you. All right, everybody. Well, we appreciate you tuning in for yet another wonderful episode of Saeed leading the way and making absolutely no sense. Don't worry. I won't let him do it again. We will catch you on the next episode. Good night, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you were listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. 
This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.